Bibles and turn to Matthew 25, beginning with verse 1. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 1. As I told you last week, throughout August, I want us to look at some parables regarding Christ's return. Uh, Jesus, by the way, shared a number of them with his listeners because it was important and therefore should be important to us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now again, I want you to understand that what Jesus was referring to here was not the rapture of the church. As I said last week, the church did not exist at this time, all right? It didn't happen for another 50 days or so. And also, the rapture was a mystery that was revealed later in the New Testament epistles. We find that in 1 Thessalonians 4, and you also see it as well in 1 Corinthians 15. What we have here is the return of Jesus to earth to establish his kingdom at the end of the tribulation. That is to what he is referring in this passage of scripture, which we are about to read. So follow with me, if you would, the first 13 verses of Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and for you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. There in verse 1 of chapter 25, Jesus introduced the parable. It's a follow-up to the parable he just shared in verses 45 to 51 of chapter 24. In what we just read, the master was comparing the kingdom of heaven to virgins or bridesmaids waiting for the arrival of the bridegroom. This is very important to understand. You see, in the Jewish culture of the first century, a marriage had three phases to it. The first phase was the engagement which was really an arrangement between the fathers of the bride and groom. And it was sealed with a dowry from the groom's father. There was a promise that was made. So there was the 
engagement. And then there was the betrothal, where the couple had a ceremony and exchanged vows in the presence of family and friends. And yes, at this point, they were officially married, but they didn't live together. That didn't happen until after the third phase, which was the wedding feast, and occurred anywhere between a few months and even up to a year, where the groom was getting established in the community where he was at, and getting established in some form of work and making provisions to live. And it's to this third phase which Jesus referred to in the parable where the broom would finally come for his bride and they would parade in the street, sometimes at night, announcing that the feast was now taking place. It could happen at any time, and if at night, they needed light to see their way into the feast. And so then Jesus here declared the point of the parable In verse 13, where it says these words, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. Look back with me at chapter 24, verse 42, leading into our parable. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Verse 44, For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. Verse 50, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know. Jesus was emphasizing the importance of being ready, being prepared for the arrival of the groom, which he, by the way, compared to himself. And the bridesmaids with their lamps represent professing believers, all right, whose sole responsibility was to be prepared to light the way into this glorious feast. And so I ask you once again, as I asked you last week, How do you think about the future? How do you think about the future? Are you ready when Christ comes? That's the question I want you to be asking yourselves, even as we work through this passage of Scripture. Am I ready? Because this is the point Jesus is driving here as he shares this parable. The story is told about Earl Kelly, who was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Holly Springs, Mississippi, who was preaching on the second coming of Christ. He had just quoted from Matthew 24 and verse 27, where it says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. At this point, a large light bulb fell from its socket in the ceiling and shattered on the floor in front of the pulpit. As reported by the Baptist press, Kelly was equal to the occasion. He told the startled worshipers, His coming will be just as sudden and unexpected and devastating to the dreams that are not Christ-centered. Yeah. 
You must be prepared. You must be ready. I trust that you are. Because this is what Jesus is preaching at this moment. And so I want you to consider with me three negative, three negative but important lessons from this parable about being ready for the Lord's coming. And I do pray that it will lead you to examine your hearts and prepare you for what is to come. That is my desire for you as your pastor. It was the desire of Jesus that his listeners be prepared. That's my desire for you. And so as we work through this passage of Scripture, examine your hearts in light of the lessons that you learn. And if you're not ready, be ready by the grace of God. And the first lesson is there in verses 2 to 5. Jesus goes on with the parable. Speaking about the virgins there in verse 1, he says, Five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. So what is captured here in those verses I just read? It's really simply this. You can't be senseless about Christ's coming. You can't be senseless about Christ's coming. Or don't be senseless about Christ's coming. As you can clearly see here, these ten virgins or bridesmaids appeared to be all alike. They were a part of the same group. But Jesus focused on one distinction between them all. One distinction. The matter of having extra oil for the lamps in case of a delay from the bridegroom. Five of them had the extra oil. Five of them didn't. You see, without oil, there would be no way to light the wedding party into the feast that was about to occur. The oil here is the power source of inward preparation. That's what it's talking about here. This oil, it's the power source which represents inward preparation. And so the question is, are you prepared? This is what Jesus is emphasizing with his listeners. And that's why Jesus referred to the five who brought no extra oil as foolish. The Greek word there means dull or stupid. And five who did bring extra oil as prudent. They were sensible. They were practically wise. They were the ones who were prepared. I want you to look with me at what Jesus said to the Pharisees back in chapter 23 of Matthew. Now, this would have been the religious elite of the day. If you would have thought anyone was ready for the Messiah, it would have been them, right? Wouldn't you? Sure. They were the religious elite of the day. Look what Jesus says to them in Matthew 23, verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
Because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. In verse 16, he says this to them. Woe to you, blind guides. And he didn't stop. Verse 17, you fools and blind men. Which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? He calls them fools. The religious elite of the day certainly weren't prepared for the Messiah's coming. Now turn with me back to Matthew chapter 7. Our scripture reading for this morning. Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 to 28 there. Matthew chapter 7. This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Beginning with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. That's being sensible. But he goes on to say in verse 26, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man, one who is senseless, who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so, beloved, where are you this morning? Are you inwardly prepared for Christ's return? You know, in our little community where we meet on a week-by-week basis as professing believers, we all look alike, just like the bridesmaids. But could there be some who are not born again here this morning? who are unprepared to meet the Lord, they're without that power source that represents inward preparation. You bet. Just listen to these words that Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1-5. to But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good and treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these." Could there be some here, even though we all look alike, we're professing believers, could there be someone amongst us that is not prepared? They don't have that light source within them. Yeah. That's why it's so important for us to examine ourselves this morning so that we are prepared.
There might be some of you who know that you're not saved, but believe you have plenty of time to get prepared. That would be senseless. <laughs> that would be senseless. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's sensible. Is God's grace working on your heart right now? Then turn from your sin to Jesus. That's the sensible thing to do. Now, I know there are some commentators who try to make something of being drowsy and sleeping there in verse 5. I get that. But it appears to me that this is normal activity for unexpected delay. I mean, it was midnight, okay? That's what people do. (laughs) They eventually fall off to sleep. I mean, at 9 o'clock at night, I'm drowsy. I'm falling to sleep. And I don't have to work at it. It just comes. Because I've been up for many hours. You see, all the bridesmaids in that verse were doing it. It wasn't just five foolish who were sleepy and drowsy. And Jesus did not rebuke them for this. It's not the main point of the text. However, for those of us who are saved, are there times when we kind of are sleepy and drowsy in regards to spiritual things? Oh, yeah, there sure are. If I were to ask you this morning, as you came to church, were you thinking that the Lord could come? He's going to come at a time when you think not. And so how are believers to be ready for that? How are we to be prepared on a day-by-day basis? Your memory verse for today, Matthew 5, 16. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How about 1 John 3, 2 and 3? We had the opportunity of looking at that passage yesterday at the men's breakfast. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this fixed on him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Yeah. So may God help you all to not be senseless about Christ's return. Especially if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior because this is to whom Jesus was referring here. But even as believers... Do some careful examination and say, hey, I want to be prepared at all times. May God help you in that way. This leads right into the next lesson. Jesus continues the parable there in verses 6 to 9. Follow along as I read. But at midnight there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom come, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us 
and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. What do you notice here? What's the lesson? It's this. You can't receive spiritual life from others for Christ's return. Yeah. You can't receive spiritual life from others or something else for Christ's return. As already noted, the foolish bridesmaids had no extra oil. And thus they could not trim or light their lamps when the bridegroom came. And so what did they do? They turned to the five prudent bridesmaids to receive some. But they said no. Now I just want you to know they weren't being heartless. Because as they went on to say, there just would not be enough for us and you. Each of them had to have their own oil for there to be enough light to go into the feast. And so the prudent here suggested to go instead to the the dealers and buy some. Yeah. They were directing them to the right source as far as the story is concerned. But remember, it was midnight. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem to be too hopeful. What is interesting here is that there was ample opportunity to get oil when the bridegroom was delaying. Verse 5. But they chose, the foolish chose not to do such. And that's why they are considered foolish here. Well, as I said earlier, the oil is the power source which represents inward preparation. And spiritually speaking, each must have the life of God in order to light their way into the feast, that glorious feast, God's glorious feast. You see, those who don't have it can't receive it from someone else. And those who have it cannot transfer it to others, even if they want to. I mean, think of these words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 9, 1 to 3. He says, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You see, under the inspiration of the Spirit, he was speaking from his heart about his own kinsmen. But he knows, he understands that's not the way God works. He can't transfer what he has to others, though he might want to. And those who don't have it can't go to others or something else and expect to get it. You can't receive spiritual life from others for Christ's return. You know, beloved, when the Lord returns, there are going to be many who are foolish, deceived into thinking that their associations or their good works will get them into God's feasts. But they're going to be very disappointed to find out otherwise. You know why I say this? Because it's going on right now. 
It's not going to change. It's going to be the same when Christ returns. People are depending on others, their own good works, and anything else, hoping to make it into that feast. And they're going to be disappointed. I want you to look with me at what John the Baptist declared in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. Let's go there. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world. And the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now notice verse 13. Who were born not of blood. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. Nor of the will of the flesh. (laughs) Nor of the will of man, but of God. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. There is no other way. You need the oil of spiritual life to be prepared for the Lord's coming. You can't receive it from others, only from Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? I don't believe I'm telling you anything you don't know. You know this. You've heard it many times from this pulpit. And so, why not, why are all of us not ready? Because we feel we have enough time to get prepared. What did Jesus say in John 14? Remember, just hours before his crucifixion. Verse 2 to 6. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. You can't receive spiritual life from others for Christ's return. You can't be depending on other things for Christ's return. And so will you turn to Jesus now and be prepared? You can't be senseless about Christ's return You can't receive spiritual life 
from someone or something else for Christ's return. This is being driven. These are the lessons Jesus is emphasizing in this parable. But he's still not done yet. And so we go on to verses 10 through 13 of this parable. And while they were going away, he's talking about the five foolish bridesmaids. To make the purchase, the purchase of oil, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding face and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. What is seen here? What's the lesson? You can't expect second chances when Christ returns. That's right. You can't expect second chances when Christ returns. As Jesus went on to share there in verses 10 to 13, when the bridegroom came, the five foolish bridesmaids were away trying to make a purchase of some oil because they were unprepared for the bridegroom's return. There was a delay in his coming. Well, upon their return, what did they find out? That the door to the house was shut. They even called out to the master of the house, open up! But the answer came back what? I do not know you. How devastating. Jesus is the one who's sharing these words. I do not know you. John MacArthur put it this way, it will be a moment of sheer terror when unbelievers face a holy God and realize with absolute certainty that they are eternally lost. Oh my. There is no more opportunity. That's it. The door's shut. I do not know you. That's what Jesus wanted his listeners and us by extension to understand. And why he gave the counsel he did in verse 13. Be on the alert. Watch and be ready. Be prepared. Because you do not know the day or the hour I am coming. And at that time, the day of grace is going to be over. There is no purgatory. There is no praying for the dead to bail out people, so to speak. No, in fact, the Bible doesn't even teach that. Not at all. In fact, what you find in the Scripture is that it emphasizes there is no second chances. I want you to look with me at what Jesus said about a week before this, okay? On his way to Jerusalem. For the final week of Passover. Turn with me over to Luke 13. Luke 13. As I told you at the beginning, Jesus had a number of parables, said a lot of things regarding the future, especially in that last week before his crucifixion. 
And as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, just days before this, this is what he said in Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 29. And he was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock, saying, Lord, open up to us, then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. And they will come from the east and from the west and from the north and the south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. You know, beloved, I don't want any of this for you. And you know, Jesus doesn't want it for you either. (laughs) He came to do the Father's will. And what was the Father's will? Of all those whom he has given, he saves. That's what he said in John chapter 6. And so examine your hearts as Paul encouraged the church in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? Yesterday at the men's breakfast... Bob was taking us through 1 John and essentially asking us to examine ourselves in light of what the Scriptures say. How do you know that you're safe? How do you know that you're ready and on your way to the kingdom of heaven? How do you know? 1 John was written so that we might know. And as you read through it, ask yourself questions about what the text says. And if you don't know the Lord, then repent and turn to Him. Be ready. Receive that power source, that oil, so to speak, into your very souls. You're regenerated. You're changed. And so if you don't know Jesus, may today be the day of your salvation where you receive the light of life from God and are prepared for His coming. John Bartlett shared this account. He said, On March 11, 1942, a 62-year-old army officer with his family secretly slipped away from the Philippines and in a minor miracle made their way down to Australia. Do you know who that was? (laughs) It was General MacArthur. When he left the islands, he said, I will return. 
Two and a half years later, October 20th, 1944, he stood again on the soil of the Philippines and said, This is the voice of freedom. People of the Philippines, I have returned. (laughs) Bartlett went on to say this. Now, if you think a man can have that kind of credibility, and even if you can appreciate that quality in a man, I tell you that Jesus Christ, the God-man, has made the same promise far more credible than any human being will ever be. If you wrestle with the truth of Jesus' return, wrestle no longer. If you accept the historic fact of His ascension, then you have no room to doubt His historic yet future return. It will occur. And so again, I ask you, are you prepared for the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, who is going to come? It's going to occur. His word declares it. Jesus does not lie, right? He is coming again. And that's why it's so important for you to embrace the lessons that you heard today. You can't be senseless, unwise about Christ's return. You can't receive spiritual life from someone or something else for Christ's return. And you can't expect second chances when Christ returns. This is a message of salvation that Jesus was sharing through this parable. You see, beloved, that's the way to be ready. And so come to him now. As he said in John six thirty seven, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Don't you love that promise? For those of us who are saved, it's a wonderful promise. But for those of us who are not saved, there's hope in that promise. Will you come to him now? I pray that you will. And be ready for Christ's return. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And what a blessing it is to walk through this parable. Which you, O Lord, shared with your listeners some 2,000 years ago. And here we are today. You have not returned But a thousand years are as one day to you, O God. You are coming soon. And, O God, your desire, my desire, is that this people here this morning are ready for your return. I pray that they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray that they're not putting off thinking that someday I'll get prepared. That would be senseless. So help the hearts of these people by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.